We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Draft night here. Day one of the draft with Rams Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us live. It's our first live show in a while. I am Derek C. Paula. You're one of your many hosts tonight. I'm here with former Los Angeles Rams defensive back Michael Stewart. Johnny, Magic Johnny. We need you a song, Magic. Magic Johnny Gomez and Josh Kolak. Guys, we are now at pick 17 of the Giants. We're going to come in here leading up to the Rams pick and go through all these things. I'm going to go ahead and go around real quick. 
ask you how you're doing. Give me your first impression of the draft so far. I'll start with you, Mike. What's your uh, how you doing, and what's your first impression of the draft? Hey, man, it's real good, but uh, I'm just interested in a lot, a lot of different picks that happen. So, uh, man, it's going to be some fun tonight to chat it up. Magic Johnny, what's up, man? Nothing much, man. Just uh, really impressed by some of these picks and downright confused with others. But then that's <laughs> the NFL draft in general. So what do you guys what, – what what's up, uh, Josh? How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good, guys. Uh, yeah, same as you guys. I'm surprised at some of these picks. Some of them I'm like, man, what are these guys thinking? How do these guys get paid to do this? But other than that, yeah, I'm just excited to dive in and talk about these guys. Well, I mean, to me, the Giants are the biggest train wrecks today <laughs> thus far. I mean, more than the Raiders. We'll get into that. Giants are picking right now. I can't mean can't get any worse. We'll find out. Uh, real quick, though, we do want you to know that tonight's episode is sponsored by Jim Hawk. Yeah, man, I, we've been talking about this book now for over a year. If you haven't read it yet, I don't understand why you haven't read it yet. But if you're looking for a piece of Rams history with a bit of personal touch, you need to check out Jim Hawk's Holocene Grit, Glam of the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who led, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out some sort of his father and the team he played for him. In an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers, Read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Hirsch, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawks book online at hollowsteam.com and on Twitter at hollowsteam. It's available both in hardback and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Oh, yeah. And by the way, the paperback book comes out in a couple months, September 6th. Folks, all proceeds go to Homeboy Industries, which provides a a resource, a way for people to get out of the gang life, become productive members of society. Check it out. It's just a worthy cause and a great book overall. We'd love to see some reviews come our way just to pass them along and hopefully see something on Amazon for them. Again, always seeing great glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. So, the uh, the Giants are up now. One more thing before we get into the picks. I, I just want to see how bad the Giants messed this one up. Becoming I mean, a train wreck of a franchise. The, uh, we do want to remind you that we are available on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Spreaker. Find our podcast listed with, with Clutch Points. They have some awesome apps that put loads of NBA and NFL information at your fingertips. Also, don't forget to subscribe. Leave a five-star review on iTunes. It helps us out. Don't forget our other shows on the network, Rams Uncensored, Bunny Heads, even Norm Hightower's new film show coming up soon. Oh, and we have a, a contest underway. We'd love to get your feedback on the podcast on iTunes. So once we get five, uh, 200 five-star reviews, one lucky winner will get a $75 gift ticket to NFLshop.com. This is how it works. Head over to iTunes. Leave a review, a five-star review, please, please, please. Send us an email at ransom1945 with a copy of your entry so we know who to reward. It will also read your feedback on the show. We've had a couple come in. And, uh, well, the Giants pick's coming up now. Um, while we're waiting for it to come up, we might as well get it out of the way. We will top everybody else here momentarily. But... The Giants, I cannot believe that the worst pick that they've made thus far in this offseason was not the Odell Beckham trade, but taking Daniel Jones at number six, quarterback out of Duke. I have, I mean, David, uh, David Cutcliffe over down there um, in Duke. I don't know what the heck they gave 
Pat Shermer and, and Dave Gettleman up there in New York, you know, was, was it loaded with, with some kind of illicit drug or what? But, um, oh my gosh, is all I'm going to say about this. The Giants are selecting now. I'm going to get you guys' thoughts on one second as the pick comes in. Here we go. Just wonder if Roger Goodell ever just stopped talking. Okay, so the pick is up. Oh, that's why he's talking. My bad. He's with troops, USO. I have it on mute, guys. So, Warren Oster, James Beneke, second, second infantry. They take Dexter Lawrence from Clemson. Yeah, that one hurts. Wow. Dexter Lawrence from Clemson goes to the Giants. That was a guy I had my heart on, and Mike had our heart on. One of these guys getting to us. Um, that one hurts the Rams if they want defensive line help. Dexter Lawrence goes to the Giants at pick 17. That's a bit early for him. but um, That's pretty early for him. The, yeah, a bit early. But the Giants need defensive line help. They also need secondary help and need help overall. So, All right, so here I we go. I have a new hated team. A new, yeah, I've had enough of the Giants today, man. Um, well, let me go with you. Mike, what were your thoughts of the two Giants picks, say, Daniel Jones and Dexter Lawrence? Yeah, I <laughs> I actually don't remember Daniel Jones. Uh, I don't know if I just wasn't paying too much attention, uh, but that's a real interesting pick. Obviously, there were some other, you know, QBs rated higher, but as we know, this is the NFL. I love the fact that uh, I forgot who said it earlier. You know, you wonder what these guys get paid for. You know, you have plenty of time to do your research, so – uh, I'll have to leave it up to maybe they know more than we do. Well, you know why Daniel Jones, you didn't know who he was, right? He was like nope. 120th on, on a lot of experts' boards. Nobody yeah. thought he was going this early. Nobody thought he was going this early. Some people why he might make it to the top, the, the back end of the first round. What are your thoughts, Johnny? Uh, as far as the... The Daniel Jones pick, it's its still a mystery to me. I mean, it, it's no secret that this year's draft class of quarterbacks are, are is a very weak class. So the fact that Daniel Jones was being taken in the second and third round was a little high normally. But to take him this high in the first round is just borderline ridiculous. And, I mean, it just says a lot about uh, the Giants as a franchise. And then then taking Dexter Lawrence with their second pick in the first round. Uh, that that one just hurts Ram fans, especially me in particular, because that was my number one guy I wanted the Rams to take. So, uh, yeah, I, I have a newfound hatred for the New York Giants. There's a special place in hell for you guys. <laughs> oh, wow. Johnny. Dang. Jeez. Tell us how you really feel. Well, Hey, Jeffrey Simmons is still down there. You know, there, he's yeah. still there. He might make it. He might make it down there considering his injury stuff. There's, there's a couple edge guys still out there, and there's some offensive line help there as well. So let, let's see what's going on when the Rams pick at 31. Josh, what are your thoughts? Man, uh, so Daniel Jones at six is a terrible pick in my opinion. I I had lots of quarterbacks rated above him. Uh, <laughs> you need a quarterback. I mean, it's their guy. Everybody's got their guy. So 
at the end of the day, like they do, they scout more film than I do, of course. So maybe they get it right. You know, I mean, we've seen in the past, everybody's like, that's a dumb pick. And the guy works out. I don't see that happening with him, but Hey, and as far as Dexter Lawrence at 17, again, I actually am a really big Dexter Lawrence fan. Uh, but I'm not a fan of taking nose tackles in the, you know, towards the top half of the first round, you know, at at the Rams pick at 31. Sure. But not at 17. I think that there were quite a few players that have better value at that pick. I think that there are players that could help out the, the offense and the quarterback situation there. And, you know, you draft a young guy, Eli's probably gone after this next season. I'm assuming that he's going to be there for a year. And then, you know, the guy from Duke step in, but other than that, yeah, I mean, the Giants are not doing well, in my opinion. Well, I politely disagree on the new, on the nose tackle thing. You're, you're going to find several dominant nose tackles who can make a difference. If that's the guy you need, that's the guy you need. But the only thing here is the Giants didn't really need as much as they need offensive line help. If they're going to get themselves a quarterback, then you need to get a guy like they just got drafted right now. Garrett Bradbury with the Vikings took taking it at 18. You need guys like that to come on your roster. Dalton Risner's out there. So if you need, if you're gonna if you're gonna go take a flyer on quarterback, and your offensive line is horrible, why on earth are you not getting that guy some high quality offensive line and help with your next pick? I mean, that's my well, and, process. And and Jawan Taylor was still on the board too. I mean, the Giants need offensive linemen, and you skip that for a nose tackle. I just don't get it. And and after they traded. Uh, Damon Harrison, you know, a while back and, you know, you, you get rid of Odell Beckham Jr. And you turn that into a nose tackle. Well, I just, well, you know what the Giants did. The Giants have the Eagles run the ball a lot. The Cowboys have Zeke. The Redskins are going to run the ball a lot when uh, Darius guys gets back this year. So you understand why they're going to want a nose tackle there. But I mean, <sighs> offensive lines where I go. Okay. So we're going back to the front of the draft here. Number one, in our mock draft, I took Kyler Murray. That's who the Cardinals take. Um, I I don't have a whole lot to say other than the fact that, you know, the Cardinals just kind of wasted everybody's time to start this draft. It's been kind of out there for months now that this is their guy, and they kind of played off in the last minute. We don't know who we're going to pick. They're calling prospects, and we don't, you, know, you might still be our guy, and, and they wait until the very last second to take it. And don't waste my time. Don't waste everybody's time. Just make your pick and let's get this draft over. No one wants to be here till one o'clock in the morning. That's that's my vent. Mike, your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. You know this. You know I I, I agree that it's, it's gamesmanship. It's TV ratings, and it's almost as is like they just have this thing with the NFL to. You know, we want to make sure we fill all these slots, get the commercials in. So just make sure you take your time. Uh, we want everybody to come in at the 8, 9, 10. Let's put some suspense on it. But, yeah, I mean, pick the guy, go up there, they call your name, just walk up there and, and do it. Johnny. So uh, just kind of, I mean, this wasn't that big of a shock just because it's already been, uh, you know, out there that Murray was going to be the guy. But at the same time, 
I, I still scratch my head at this pick just because, you know, it's not to say that Kyler Murray isn't a talented quarterback because he is, but the fact that they just drafted Josh Rosen after one year and then they give up on him, I, I just I don't get it. I don't I don't get it. And it's not as though that the the Cardinals are a quarterback away of getting into the playoffs, you know. So for me, it's it's a question mark. I I think there's just so much talent that the Cardinals could have used. I mean, they could have picked Bosa, and it would have been a better pick for sure. So like I I don't know. For me, I I don't understand the pick. Uh, I mean, I get that you know. I get it that they have a love affair with the guy, but at the end of the day, they they should have went with the uh, with another prospect, in my opinion, uh, mainly Bosa, in my personal opinion. There, but don't you want the guy who's best for your system? And that isn't you know, Josh Rosen might not be the best guy for Cliff Kingsbury's system, so wouldn't you want as a new head coach your guy? So basically, yes. I mean, ideally, in the perfect world, that's true. But at the same time, it's like. Well, how many redos are you going to do? Are, are you going to be like, oh, well, you know, this year's head coach didn't work out. So this upcoming head coach, I'm going to restart this whole thing over again. Meanwhile, you're not getting any better. I mean, realistically speaking, do you think that the Cardinals got much better by switching from Josh Rosen to uh, to Kyler Murray? I don't. I think they're about the same place they were when they started. Well, yeah, and but I guess it's a bigger complaint would be with the Cardinals front office and Steve Kine, the general manager there. What are you doing? You went and got this guy last year. You're wasting all this draft capital. Why don't you just get a guy to coach your coach Josh Rosen up instead? Why don't you make that hire instead of now you're blowing up your your roster all over again? Josh, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean we've. We've talked about this before, Derek, as far as our distaste for Cliff Kingsbury as a head coach uh, in the NFL. I, I, I kind of think that, you know, if you're if you're going to get rid of Rosen for Kyler Murray, you know, I, I get Cliff Kingsbury wants his guy. I, I get a coach wanting to do that. As far as that goes, it baffles me, though, that you wouldn't wouldn't find a way to move Rosen prior to the pick. You know, because now you're sitting there with two quarterbacks and we're seeing these teams pick the quarterbacks that they like. Who who are you going to trade Rosen to? And are you going to get the value that you could have gotten? You know, and, and what does this say about how other teams view Josh Rosen, too, is kind of the way I'm looking at it. Um, the the flip side of that also is that, you know, if if you're not wanting to blow up the roster, then, yeah, you shouldn't have hired Cliff Kingsbury because obviously he's going to want his guy. And and that's that's fair, but you know you're you're now you're stuck with both these QBs, and I'm not really sure what's going to happen with Rosen and what they're going to be able to get back for him. Well, they're gonna they're gonna trade Rosen by tomorrow. Watch, he's gone. He'll, yeah, but, by day by time day two starts, he's gone. Okay, so who's your prediction? Who do who do they trade him to? Because remember, Drew Locke's still on the board too. I would go either Miami or Denver. That's where I would go. Yeah. That's where I don't know. I don't know. What do you guys think? Johnny, where's where's uh Rosen going? Uh at this point I would think Miami just because uh, they they could use a quarterback, but 
And from what I understand, Miami is in uh, preliminary talks with uh, with the Cardinals to get him. But at the same time, it's like I just uh, you 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 really gave up a, a first round tenth overall pick last year for Rosen, and you're not going to get nearly as much as you know a tenth overall pick. So yeah, <laughs> before, before uh, again, like- it's still puzzling. Yeah, before sorry, you're up. Before I go over to Mike, the Tennessee Titans with 19th pick overall take Jeffrey Simmons, defensive tackle, Mississippi State. Jeffrey was a guy we interviewed. Um, man, congratulations to him with an ACL injury going at 19. He was a guy that we had hoped would fall to us. We thought he would, given the way our mock draft came out, but uh, nope, he didn't. Tennessee Titans at 19. Okay, Mike, your thoughts? Where's Rosen going? I, I would say uh, I would agree with the you guys in regards to Miami. If you look at uh, you know their coach uh, Brian Flores, who just uh, came from uh, New England, he's Rosen is a, a similar style of quarterback as a a Brady type, you know, and so uh, <clears throat> that would seem to be a, a good spot. And you know he would have a great mentor down there with Dan Moreno also working the organization. So if I'm Josh Rosen, I got my fingers crossed. I want to go to Miami. All right. So moving on here, the San Francisco 49ers take J- uh, Nick Bosa. I almost said it again, Nick Bosa, the younger brother of Joey Bosa, the Chargers' top pick from a couple years ago. Um. I'm an Ohio State guy, so I can go ahead and give the full explanation on him. He is pretty much a Joey Bosa clone. They are very much the same player. I actually, even though it's been said, and Yahoo has this up in their commentary, that uh, he may not be as big, quote-unquote, as his older brother or athletic, but they're virtually the same player. Well, that's not really how I see Nick Bosa. I see him as a total game-changer. And so... Uh, what Nick Bosa does now is that front seven for the 49ers is nasty. And it's built to to rush Jared Goff and Russell Wilson in that division. And it's going to be something to really w- watch out for this year. Josh, I'm going to go over to you. How do you feel about this pick? And, and uh, do you agree with me on this or not that uh, that, that 49er front seven is getting nasty real quick? Yeah, it's getting nasty real quick. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, I like our O-line um, for the most part at least. I, I definitely think we'll be able to handle it. Uh, however, you know, yeah, they're they're building something special on that D line and in that front seven all around. So, yeah, uh, they're 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 dangerous. Like they're they're they are a team that isn't quite there yet, but they're gonna be able to play a lot of teams really well. Johnny. So as far as uh, the the 49ers go. Like, honestly, this is going to be the, the team you don't want to play. You know, adding Bosa adds another level of dimension of pass rush here. And to be honest, I, I, I'm actually, you know, well, I do think the Rams offensive line is going to be okay. I, I don't know how they're going to fare against this, you know, beefed up San Francisco 49er defensive front. So kudos to the 49ers for taking Bosa. They, they got a stud, probably the best player in this draft. So, you know, I, I don't blame them for taking Bosa, even though it wasn't that much of an immediate pick. You, you don't pass up a guy like Bosa. Michael. 
Yeah, I just, uh, you know, I, I have a thing about the Niners anyway. I don't really want to see them get better, but nevertheless, yeah, they've gotten better. And you figure uh, they're going to have a formidable offense with their quarterback coming back off the injury list. So the best energizing aspect for a defense is not being on the field. So if they're going to play that Shanahan you know, style of football, kind of grind it out, take something deep when you can. Uh, that's going to really help the defense in regards to keeping them fresh. So, yeah, I, you know, again, I'm not giving a whole lot. I don't like to see the Niners get that much better, but, yeah, they got better. For Well, here's a question now. We've, we've had this debate a little bit on, on the show before, and that is, is it really the case for you, you know, you you took the field many, many a times against the 49ers during your playing days. And, you know, it was a heck of a rivalry. Do you not want that rivalry back, or do you just hate them that much? <laughs> yeah, just that much. I grew up watching the Niners get pounded by us, and I just want to keep it that way. But, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's good for the game overall. Uh, obviously, being this close to each other, you know, just an hour flight up, hour flight down, uh, bragging rights on the West Coast, year in and year out, whoever is, is dominant. So, uh, yeah, you love the the rivalry and, and you know, 49er fans travel well. So uh, we, we love for our fans to get out. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun just seeing how this plays out this next season. Okay, number three. The New York Jets take Quinn and Williams defensive tackle. You nailed this one, the mock draft, Mike. Um, he was he's, he's the tall package. And to the point now, I think the Jets, I've been saying this for a while, I think the Jets are kind of a sleeping giant. I think they are in line to kind of ascend in the AFC East as the, foreign, as the, uh, so the Patriots dynasty winds down. They're starting to see these dominoes fall. I really like this pick. I actually had... Um, Josh Allen going to the Jets. Allen falls to seven. We'll talk about him in a minute. But um, Quinton Williams in the middle with the, with the Jets. Uh, Michael, how do you take this pick? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, we talked about it earlier when we were doing ours. And, uh, yeah, he's going to be uh, a definite uh, step up for them on the defensive side. And, you know, it'll be a big boost. Uh, for them defensively to be able to make some plays. And so he's going to be a big part of that. But, you know, always keep in mind, even though, you know, we were seeing these guys go in and go as high as they are, there's still going to be a learning curve being a rookie. And, you know, they're going to have to make that adjustment to the league. But obviously this this was a great pick for them. John, How about you, Jimmy? What do you think? What was that, Derek? I, I was I was moving to Johnny, but Michael moved moved already. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Quinnen Williams was honestly my top rated player in the draft in terms of talent and availability. Boza has dealt with some injuries and stuff, so I really like Quinnen Williams to the Jets. I think that's a slam dunk pick. I don't really have much else to say. Those Bama boys, man they they put out talent every single year and. I think Quinton Williams is a special guy. All right, just to break in real quick, Noah Fant, tight end. Iowa, the second tight end in the first 20 picks, goes to the Denver Broncos. 
I guess the Denver Broncos weren't all too worried about quarterback after all. They had their chance to get Drew Locke there at 20, and they didn't take him. So, uh, again, number 20, Denver Broncos take Iowa tight end Noah Fant. Johnny, your thoughts on Quinn Williams? As for Quentin Williams, you know, this is definitely one of the safest picks in this year's draft. He's certainly talented and definitely somebody you wouldn't mind seeing on your on your defense. So like like you were saying, the the New York Jets is gonna be an up and rising team and he's only gonna uh increase that. So, you know, personally I, I think either him, uh, you know, Quentin Williams or Josh Allen would have been fine. But I, I would say Quentin Williams was the safest pick just because, in, in my personal opinion, he was the second-best player in this year's draft. So uh, kudos to the Jets, and it'll be interesting to see them uh, hopefully start to overtake the New England Patriots. I, I don't know if I want to see the Patriots uh, rise anymore. Well, they can't rise any more than they already have, man, can they? You know what? Don't beat a dead horse. <laughs> I mean, just being honest, the Super Bowl champions again. There, they've won the division, you know, longer than I think you've been alive. Many, many years in a row. So, I mean, there's some ast- there's some asterisks in their records, man. Well, there you here, go. Here we go back. Okay. There you go. <laughs> well, you know, you could talk about that, but I, I know going back to the Super Bowl week when we had Matt Chatham on, and Matt was very awesome in his view that. That kind of cheating didn't go on. They didn't need to go through the Rams' walkthrough. So, I mean, but uh, it is what it is. Okay. The Raiders, with the fourth pick of the draft, and this is where you guys, I'm expecting you all to haul off here because this is just amazing to me. (laughs) The Raiders, you know, they take Cleveland Farrell, defensive end from Clemson. I mean, first-round guy. You expect them to go mid-round. The Raiders take them in the fourth pick of the draft. Shocked pretty much everybody. Um, should it be a shock, Josh? Yes. Uh, I, I really like Cleveland Farrell. I think he's definitely a first-round talent. Uh, four was a little bit rich for my blood. A, a, a lot of bit rich for my blood, honestly. I, I kind of saw him... Mid to late twenties, Johnny. How are you feeling, so, the Raiders, right now? So I have a lot of good buddies that are Raider fans, and uh, they are not shy in sharing their opinions on anything that happens with the with the Rams. So when I saw this pick, I had to, you know, text all my Raider buddies. Because, yeah, I mean, not not to say that Cleveland Farrell isn't uh, a talented player. Because, you know what, the Raiders, they get a, a, a you know pretty talented player. He, he's going to fulfill a need for sure. You know, I mean, it's hard to find good pass rushers these days, right? So, um, you know, as far as Cleveland Farrell is concerned, he's not a bad player. But you have the fourth overall pick. You still have Josh Allen available, you still have Devin White available, and you essentially kind of reach with the fourth overall pick. Uh, It's not that bad of a pick just because it was a position of need, I guess. But at the same time, I'd be disappointed if I was a Raider fan. And uh, still, the the worst pick in this year's draft so far is is, uh, belongs to the Giants. No doubt about it. Yeah, for sure. 
Mike, your thoughts? Yeah. Well, you know, you got to figure the Raiders, they're always going to do something that goes, uh, you know, opposite of, of conventional wisdom. That's just in their DNA with uh, the late Al Davis. You know, now Mark has a team. I mean, if you look at some of the things Mark has done, you know, in regards to hires, fires, let goes, laying back, you know, now they're going to move to Vegas. And so it kind of doesn't surprise me. You almost expect that to be something somewhat out of the ordinary. And and I agree with Johnny. I mean, he's going to help them. But anything that just would make just common sense, the Raiders just don't seem like they want to do it that way. All right, so just a heads up before I give my thoughts on the pick. Um, the, the Green Bay Packers have traded up with the Seattle Seahawks, a 21 pick, so we're just waiting for the pick to come in. So, again, the Packers have traded up. We'll wait and see what the uh, Packers gave up to get that pick in there. Um, for me, Cleveland Farrell, saw a player. There were, there were a lot of mock drafts. I had him going in the 20s, maybe even as low as the Rams at 31. And so, to me, to see the Raiders go for him at 4, I'm just thinking you probably could have moved back. There were probably some teams that wanted to get up there with you uh, and, and get into that four slot for a guy they wanted. So it really surprises me they went there. Or considering the guy they lost, Khalil Mack, the the linebacking, the edge rushing that he brought to the table, all of a sudden now are you telling me that Cleveland Farrell is as good as those guys are for what your team needs? I don't buy that. But, you know, this is going to come back on Mike Mayock, the general manager of the Oakland Raiders here, the guy who was on the NFL Network for years and years and years, giving his giving his reports. And he was known for being a detailed guy. And I guess in some ways you have to give some sort of benefit of doubt to him. But, you know, I just don't see what he sees. And I, I'm not alone. I mean, all of us here are saying the same thing. We've all looked at the film. We've all done the reading on it. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense right now, but... It could be worse. They could have gone out there and gotten Daniel Jones. I'm just saying. Okay. Yeah, it definitely could have been worse. So the Buccaneers, I don't even think we need to talk about this one too much. The Buccaneers take Devin White, the inside linebacker with pick number five. I I had – you pat myself on the back here. I had the Buccaneers taking this and taking him in a mock draft. He's a perfect fit for what they do. He is a hitter. He is tenacious. He is – going to be the center point of that Buccaneers defense for years to come. That's what the Bucks have needed. Their defense has just lacked heart for for a very long time. He'll bring that heart. Okay, the Green Bay Packers selection is coming up now. Uh, I can't tell. Again, my TV's on mute, so I'm just kind of watching this to see where it's going. Um, any thoughts on Devin White? Uh, I'll chime in on that. Definite upgrade over... Uh... Quan Alexander, who they lost in free agency. So I, I like the pick. He was he was mocked there with them for quite some time now, so it was no surprise to me that they took him. Um, yeah, I like the pick. Okay, Darnell Savage Jr., safety from Maryland, goes to the Packers at 21. And they, uh, I don't, did, did you guys even have Darnell Savage mocked at all at this place so, in the first round? So I, I talked to Jake uh, at Downtown Rams just uh, just earlier today, actually. 
Um, and we kind of were talking about Darnell Savage because on Twitter they were saying, you know, there's reports that he may go in the first round. And what I what I said was Darnell Savage has all the traits to be a first rounder, but he's not quite there for me. So I think that the Green Bay Packers, though, trading for him, I think he's a good fit for them. I think it's a good pick. I think ultimately he lives up to it. Uh, I just think that overall right now he's like almost there as a first-round pick for me but wasn't quite. So, Okay, the Ravens have now traded up. I mean, traded down their pick. Uh, the Eagles are now in the 22nd slot. So now we're starting to see some movement. And I guess um, we're going to start one over the Rams here. Anybody else? Johnny, some thoughts on Devin White? Mike, some thoughts on Devin White? Uh, as far as Devin White is concerned, you, he's definitely the best inside linebacker in this year's draft, and it, it made total sense for the Buccaneers to pick him. In fact, it, it would have been a much bigger surprise for for the Bucks not to pick him if uh, if you know he if he was still available. Uh, personally, you know, I I think he he was one of the better picks. So. Um, for the Buccaneers to, to select him, they got a good guy for, for a long time, and they're going to want to keep this guy. They're not going to want to let him go like they did Quan uh, Alexander. Yeah, I agree. You know, if you look at Tampa Bay's history, they've always been known to try to have solid backers, you know, going back to Derek Brooks and, and others. So that's that's always kind of a staple for their defense is to have, you know, good backer play. So this is a guy who can help him out there. And he's used to, uh, I'm sure he'd be used to running around in that weather. So uh, the only thing I always look at when you get guys that go to Tampa or Miami, there's so much other nightlife and distractions off the field. That'll be something you got to always watch for a young guy coming in. Okay, with the sixth overall pick, we mentioned earlier Daniel Jones goes to the Giants. I'm going to say this because as an Ohio State guy, I hope the Redskins go there and burn the Giants twice a year with with Dwayne Haskins. I mean, this I've really felt that Haskins was the right guy for the Giants the whole time, the right fit, the right mentality, and um, I was wrong. But I I do hope just personally that Haskins goes in there and and wipes the floor of the Giants twice a year. That's just, <laughs> This is my personal view. We've already beat this this horse dead. Moving down to pick number seven, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Look who landed in Jacksonville. Mike, Josh Allen from Kentucky lands there. You and I had a discussion about him. How do you feel about Josh Allen landing in Jacksonville? Absolutely. You know, a good pick, man. Uh, And so that looks like a pick that makes sense for them and, and that's kind of what you look at when, you, when you're when you looking at it to draft, you know, what actually makes sense in the player that you get. And so Josh seems to fit that bill for them. So I'm, I'm looking for some good things as, out of Mr. Allen. Okay, so the trade, the Eagles gave up the 20, they, uh, they swapped picks. They also gave up their fourth and their sixth runner this year. So the Baltimore gets a four and a six and the 25th pick just to move up three slots. Okay. Johnny, what are your thoughts on Josh Allen? So Josh Allen, I felt, was the third best player in this year's draft. It was basically uh, Bosa, Williams, and then um, Allen. So as far as Allen is concerned, to fall all the way down to pick number seven, that was certainly a gift you know, for, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And you know what? They basically get a, a 
you know, uh, another another edge rusher very high, you know, and redo, you know, uh, the Dante Fowler pick. So, yeah, you remember Dante Fowler, right? That one guy? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds familiar, right? So, uh, you know, Josh Allen is is has a lot of potential, and I think that he's going to certainly help out their defense a lot. So, kudos to the Jaguars. I, I think they got a – a really a really good player at, at pick seven. Josh Allen for Josh Kolak, what do you think? Well we have the same name, so you know I'm I'm a definitely a supporter. Uh but no, in all seriousness, Josh Allen, I, I agree with uh with Johnny. I think that he was the third best player overall in the draft. I think getting him at seven is a little bit of a steal, obviously. And uh, Josh Allen's a guy that I was high on since last year when he was potentially going to declare and didn't and went back to school. Uh, so he's he's definitely, I mean, I really like that pick. Really, really like that pick. Get a really good edge rusher. Um, he can play the run well as well, in my opinion. So, yeah, definitely, definitely a good pick. Okay, Andre Dillard goes to the Eagles. Offensive tackle from Washington State. Houston Texans are on the clock. Um just kind of to now, as the board's clearing up a little bit now, uh, a large portion of the the defensive edge rush talent is gone. The main core defensive tackles are gone. The two of the core offensive linemen are gone, and that is really what the Rams needed. There's. So as we get closer now, we're at pick 23. Where do you guys see the Rams going here? we got a couple guys still out there. Jawan Taylor, is Rob Dalton Ridger still out there as well for offensive line? Safeties are still out there in abundance. The Rams are going to need some safety help eventually, if not sooner than that. There's you know, no cords have been taken yet. Where do the Rams go? I'm going to start with uh, Josh and come back to Mike. Josh, your thoughts? Well, well, I've I've been tweeting out throughout this draft. Uh, we ha- we hadn't seen a DB picked for quite some time. Finally, Savage went. Uh, so no cornerbacks yet have been picked, and we know that Talib's probably here for this year, and then maybe gone afterwards. Peters isn't locked up long term. Man, there's some good cornerback talent, and uh, if they fall to the Rams pick at 31, I mean they they could pick a corner. Johnny. Yeah, I'm kind of with Josh on this one. You know, I I, I think they're going to go cornerback at the way it's looking. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if they, you know, went after, you know, some offensive linemen, maybe a guy like Eric McCoy or, or Taylor. But um, as far as cornerback goes, you know, there's still Greedy Williams out there who I didn't think would still be on the board. So uh, I'm – you know, I'm kind of actually pulling for Greedy Williams to be there at pick 31, although there's still plenty of picks left. So uh, I don't know if he'll quite make it to 31, but here's open. I think Mike had him going to Oakland at 24. Am I, am I wrong here, Mike? No, no it, I it think was, that's was right. A, yeah. No, no, is it Josh had going there? Josh did. Josh had him. Mike, what are your thoughts here on what's going on? Yeah, I, you know, like I said, I, I love the way the draft start ending up. You know, you see all these edge and D tackles and D linemen and defensive guys going and only a few few offensive guys. But 
I don't know. I just I'm still sitting tight. I, I think that re- that wide receiver position is is still a need in my eyes. So, uh, but I, I don't disagree with the fact that they'll uh, pick a corner or maybe a safety. But I just still feel like that wide receiver position is a need that really hasn't been discussed a whole lot. Which maybe they're laying in the weeds on something. Now for. Those who may just have to be dropping in for our live broadcast, you've mentioned a few times, why are you so insistent on a wide receiver? Why is this a big deal to you? It just seems that what, what Coach McVay wants to do with the offense, he needs to have more than maybe one guy like a Brandon Cooks who can kind of stretch the I mean, they have two. You know, Woods can do it as well, but it just seems like he wants to use more of a multi-wide uh, receiver sets. Uh, and it just seems with the not knowing, you know, Cooper Cup is more of a possession inside route runner, you know, and I'm sure he'll be back off his injury. But I just feel like they're going to get somebody who can can stretch the field consistently that, to help out the other receivers. Oh, so, I mean, and for me, I'm thinking I'm thinking corner. I, I'm with the other with, the, with Johnny and Josh and thinking cornerback. But if a guy like Risner is still sitting there, which that might be changing right now, the Texans are up and they need offensive linemen help, offensive line help badly. If um, if the safety's there that they like, I could see them going that way. You mentioned Greedy Williams, Johnny. That's a, that'd be great. That'd be a fun pick. But you know, there's a lot of secondary talent. I cannot believe we have not had a cornerback. We've not had a wide receiver taken yet either. Can you guys believe that? It's it's mind-boggling, especially wide receiver in today's NFL and corner, obviously, to go along with that to stop wide receivers. It's it's a little bit crazy. Just never happens anymore. Well, I, I can I, I could definitely understand the wide receiver just because the wide receiver class is just not that great, and but the cornerback certainly is a bit surprising. I'm not going to lie, but yeah, you, when you when you really consider it like this. DK Metcalf is the best wide receiver in this year's gla- draft class. Uh, well, arguably with uh, with Brown, but uh, I, I, you know, these are two wow. guys that I kind of cringe at. Wow. Whoa. So sorry. Uh, yeah, That's, that was uh, surprising. Okay, so what we're doing here, guys, we're wow. kind of wow. Houston Texans take at twenty three. Alabama State offensive tackle Titus Howard. Um, good. Uh, <laughs> good he's a prospect. good player, but he's not a first-round prospect. Good prospect, but you have Dalton Rizzer out there and Jawan Taylor out there. What's going on? I'm wondering. You, you I have know, lots I, of questions I actually, here. I, I actually did do a draft profile on Titus Howard. I do think there is a ton of potential there, but this guy is extremely raw. He just is a really big body guy, and and I, he, oh man, I don't know picking him this high. You know, I, I could I could barely see him as a second rounder. I I don't know. What are your thoughts, Josh? I, I had him pegged as like a third rounder at best for me because of how raw he was. And man, I I gotta say, like obviously it depends on a guy's work ethic and his situation and how he gets coached up and everything, but seeing a raw guy picked in the first round, I never really liked that. And I I just can't help but envision like Greg Robinson. You know, like something like that, <laughs> oh, wow. like a, a guy that's a guy that has all the traits, but it's like 
he really doesn't belong being picked where he's being picked. Like, you, yeah, like traits are important, but if you haven't put it all together and he's coming from a small school on top of that, like at least with Greg Robinson, he was coming from Auburn. Like he played in the SEC. So you're like, hey, he played well in arguably one of the best conferences in college football. But this is a guy who's coming from a smaller school and he's raw and you're taking him in the first round. That's just, I mean, uh, we all went wow almost at the same exact time. So that that tells you what you need to know. Yeah, but in a lot of ways, you're talking about Tyus Howard. It's kind of apples and oranges when talking about him compared to Greg Robinson. Greg Robinson, you know, scouts across the board love Greg Robinson. I think only a couple of us here on the staff that I mentioned, you know, really had our doubts about him. And because he was raw, it was uh, Auburn ran a run-based offense. As a left tackle, he hadn't had that kind of infrastructure that foundation built for him to do that. Then the Rams bring him in right away. They put him at guard, then tackle, then guard, and time different places. They never put him in the spot to succeed. And, of course, he had his own failures as well. But then we saw him this year, Lane Cleveland, last year, Lane Cleveland doing pretty well. So, you know, it's just a different situation. Titus Howard, he didn't even, we don't even know if he has every physical tool that Greg Robinson had. Greg Robinson had every single box you could check to be a franchise left tackle. That's not where the case with Tyus Howard, but yet here the Texans take him. So um, going, going back here, Mike, did you have any thoughts on that on the, on the Howard pick? No, no, I just think, uh, you know, when you're talking about tackle, you, you're, you're, you need a guy who can develop pretty quick. You know, I mean, I don't know what side he's going to play, left or right, or maybe he can play multiple positions as well. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting because, you know, you have a quarterback who's young and did fairly well, a little bit down the stretch, had some struggles early and then, you know, came on. But it'll be interesting to see. Uh, and that's why, you know, I always love, love the draft because we see this year in and year out again. You know, it, it could make sense if he pans out and maybe it's a steal, if you will. But when you're drafting a guy in the first round, you're really trying to hit a home run and get a steal somewhere in the fourth, fifth, sixth round. That's what blows my mind about that. Is the Texans gave up 62 sacks last year. They don't have the leeway to bomb on this pick. And yeah, exactly. They reach. Well, how do you do? How are you doing that? That that goes on my list of what? Okay. So T.J. Hawkinson is taken by Detroit Lions with the eighth pick overall. I it just feels like Matt Patricia is just trying to duplicate the Patriots really here. Um, I'll give my thoughts first. I like the pick. I think it works for the, for the Lions. It gives. It, it gives the Lions a weapon. Matthew Stafford needs more more help there than he had last year. So, you know, I, I like to pick a lot for them. Mike, what are your thoughts on T.J. Hawkins going to the Lions? Well, you know, depend on how they, they use their tight end this year. But, you know, a good tight end is always a valuable uh, position on the offense, depending on, on again how you use him, and so if if he can turn into a Gronk type or you know a Ben Coach from my day type, 
of type of tight end. And I agree, you know, a lot of things that we're going to see in Detroit, a lot of things I'm sure we'll see in Miami are going to look a lot like the Patriot way. So it makes sense from that standpoint. Definitely. Johnny. As for TJ Hawkinson, I, I think he's truly a talented tight end. He's definitely the most well-rounded tight end in this year's draft. And, you know, that's, that's, I will say that it is harder to find in, you know, modern day NFL because you either have one or the other. You either have, you know, a ball hawk or you have a guy that's really well disciplined as a blocker. So to, to find a guy that's well polished like him in both aspects of the game, uh, I can understand the appeal. In regards to the Lions, though, uh, I think that's a bit of a luxury pick for a team that doesn't have too many luxuries to use. So while I don't disagree that they could use him, I think they were better off taking somebody else. There was just so much talent at, you know, pick number eight. So maybe I'm being a little bit of a Debbie Downer here, but I, I think it I think it was kind of a wasted pick in a way, just because there there's so many other needs for the Lions. You don't think he'll be a, he won't be a security blanket for Matthew Stafford right away? Well, I mean, it didn't work for Eric Ebron, did it? Well, he's not Eric Ebron, though. They're two different guys. But they were both picked extremely high, weren't they? Two different guys, two different systems, though. That's what I'm trying to argue with you, not too deeply argue. But they they need weapons, right? They need somebody to provide you know, a screw blanket for Stafford. He didn't have many weapons last year. And they still gave teams a hard time. Yeah, that's... That's kind of my point, though, is like they, they need to first be able to protect Stafford for one thing. And, yeah, weapons for sure. And and I think that was kind of why they went with Hawkinson, because by default, he was kind of the better receiver because no wide receiver is really that great this year. So I understand it. But at the same time, and like, I just don't see the value for a team like the Lions to go for a luxury pick you know, for as a tight end. I don't know. Maybe I'm looking at this wrong, but uh, I, I thought it was a little bit too high to select a tight end for, for a team like the Lions. Okay, real quick, with the Oakland Raiders with pick 24, they take <laughs> running back Josh Jacobs out of Alabama as their, again, their, their first their second first-round pick. Is it their second or their third? I, I've lost track of the Raiders by now at this point. Second. Second, my gosh. Okay, they take Josh Jacobs, again, running back, um, Good pick. We'll get we'll get to him. Josh, what are your thoughts on Hawkinson here? I really like TJ Hawkinson. He's my favorite tight end in the draft. Uh, although I kind of agree with with Johnny a little bit about being taken too early and kind of being a little bit of a luxury pick. Uh, however, you know I, I do like the guy. I think that he's got immense potential. He's a big target. So with with you know athleticism considering his size, so really I I like the pick. I think there were guys out there that could have you know been more of an impact um, than than he will be right away. But you know because tight ends do tend to take a little bit to develop in the NFL. But I, but I like the guy. Um, also with that said, ah, it's hard to take a tight end that early if you're taking a guy that early at tight end. He has to be Gronk. He has to be Kelsey. 
he has to be that type of a player. Otherwise, it wasn't worth it. I'm sorry, Mike. I'm I'm having a moment, man. It's getting late here on my end. Did I ask you about Hawkinson? <laughs> Mike? Did we lose Mike? Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was <laughs> on mute. I'm, I'm talking to myself. I, I, uh, don't tell people that, man. Come. <laughs> the uh yeah, yeah, we talked a little bit uh, about him initially, just thinking, you know, they're kind of a little bit of copycatting on the Eng- Eng- uh, New England. New England Patriots. Here's the thing is, is I get what you guys are saying. He's a, he could be a luxury pick, but he's also multidimensional. He's not just a one type. He's not one-dimensional at all. He's, he's, he, he can receive. He's a blocker. He is able to do so many different things for what the team needs, and that's why I'm saying it's probably worth it for the Lions. The Lions need help up front. They had zero run blocking at all. That team has not been running the ball for a couple of years now. Okay, And they've needed somebody to be a blanket for Matt Stafford. So when you are able to offer more than one attribute to help in that offense, when they need weapons and they need run blocking, Okay, and pass blocking. I, I don't see why you know. I I don't see why it's a luxury pick. I guess this is where we disagree, and I also see it as an opportunity for the Lions to, to be more of a ball control offense and keep some of these teams off the field. And that's what Matt Patricia wants to do. He wants ball control. He wants his defense to run the game, and. They almost did that to us last year, quite frankly, in the Rams game, the Rams-Lions game. So, I just look at that as my final case for it. Anyway. Well, I'm just going to have to butt heads with you, man. <laughs> yeah. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. Okay. <laughs> uh, with the ninth overall pick, one of my favorite picks, because I, I called it the mock draft, I have to, again, pat myself on the back. Ed Oliver from Houston goes to the Buffalo Bills. I really like him. He's being compared to Aaron Donald. We'll see how that works out. But it's, it's I really like that pick a lot. He um, six foot two, two eighty seven from Houston. Michael, I'm coming back to you, dude. How do you feel about Ed Oliver? Well, it's it, it's interesting when we look at some of these picks and who teams are taking. You know, I remember a guy named of Bruce Smith uh, played for the Bills. And not to say he, he'll be that. He's more maybe an interior. You know, Bruce was more of off the edge, but Ed could probably come off the edge as well. So it's always interesting as, as teams, as we look, even if we look at all these different picks, um, we'll talk a little bit about the next pick, you know, being a linebacker. But uh, Ed Oliver, you know, again, the Bills are known for many years to have, you know, a good pass rush uh, from the D-line. And it, it just seems like uh, every team – each year tries to catch genie in a bottle and and draft a guy that they can relive those yesteryears. So, but I think this is a good pick for them. You know, Ed, we you know we talked a lot about him in the mock draft, and I, I, I definitely believe it's it's a good pick for him. Johnny, yeah, as far as uh, Ed Oliver is concerned, it, it's kind of amazing that you know he. Aaron Donald, if her guy so young is getting uh, already pretty much setting the bar for for these uh, 
younger guys. He reminds me of a Aaron Donald like I, I don't know if I agree with that, but um, you know, he's certainly a talented guy and he he could be as, you know, impactful as as Aaron Donald has been, you know. So I picked number eight at Oliver why not? You know, this is something that the the Buffalo Pills certainly could use. So um, I'm all for it. You know, good pick. Josh. Uh, yeah, Ed Oliver is one of my favorite players in the entire draft. So I, I really like the pick for the Bills. I got to be honest. I was hoping that he was going to fall to the Broncos and the Broncos would take him only because my nephew is a Broncos fan. And I just would have been really excited to buy that jersey for him. Uh, but yeah, I, I really like Oliver to the Bills. I think that he's an extremely good pass rusher um, at the defensive tackle position. I think that he is an explosive player. I think that he's a game changer. <sighs> Man, I and to, to get him at nine, in my opinion, he could have gone earlier than that. So I, I really like the pick. Okay, so the Pittsburgh Steelers moved up. It traded um, their 20th. The and a 52nd, I believe, and next year's third as well to the Denver Broncos for the 10th overall pick and took linebacker Devin Bush from Michigan. I gotta be honest, this is a, a Steelers move. This is a Steelers move that we've seen happen many times in the past to go get the guy they want, a guy that fits their defense, and that's exactly what he'll do. He'll fit right into the defense. Marquise Brown, wide receiver from Oklahoma, goes to the Baltimore Ravens with 25th pick, by the way. Um, there's our wide receiver. I'm going off the board. So we finally have a wide receiver. We have a running back now. No cornerbacks yet, so we'll see. Um, I love this pick overall. It's The Steelers just are not the same defensively without a, a field general in the middle of their 3-4. They went and got their field general as a guy who... Um, as an Ohio State guy, I, I get to see Devin Bush every year, and I can tell you that he made things very difficult at times for the Buckeyes. So, um, Josh, going to you, uh, does the Devin Bush pick help Pittsburgh possibly regain their footing in the AFC North? I definitely think a little bit. I know when we did the mock on the podcast a while back, uh, we had talked about you know safety versus linebacker for them. Obviously, they felt like they really liked Bush and decided to trade up and, and get their guy. I think it's a really good fit. Um, you know, they, they needed to kind of get somebody in there that was like a Ryan Shazier sort of since he's been unavailable due to that horrific injury. So uh, I, I really like Devin Bush for them. Um, I think that he's a great fit in their defense. He's not like my favorite prospect as a linebacker, but in their defense, I think he fits really well. So yeah, you know, I'm always a fan of if a team feels like a guy is truly their guy, go ahead and, and give up some picks and, and get the guy that you think is best. So I like the pick. Johnny. Well, I, I guess that's what the Giants did, right? Think of all the memes in the morning. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. But you – but. <laughs> The difference, is, the difference is Devin Bush was expected to go right around there. It's not like he was expected to go in the fourth round like Daniel Jones was supposed, was supposed to do. I just just want to point true. that out. Very true. But it, unlike the, the Giants, I do actually like this, uh, this trade. It, it made the most sense to me because 
you know that as as Josh was saying, they had the Steelers had two glaring needs on defense. One was having that inside linebacker, and the other was having a safety help. Difference is inside linebacker. Really, the top two guys was the Devons, Devin White and Devin Bush. So below those two guys is such a huge drop off. So they could either do a reach at pick twenty to 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 get that guy, or they could uh, trade up and get Devin Bush. And I think they did a, a wonderful job as far as safety goes. You know, there's going to be some solid guys still available with their. You know, uh, I, I believe they still have a second round pick, but um, I, I'm not sure actually. I'd have to check on that, but. Uh, but even still, you know, this is a very talented safety class. So you mean the, you uh, mean the Steelers, right? Yeah, yeah, they still have their pick in the second round. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, I think they're going to have a, a a wonderful safety uh, at pick uh, at the second round pick. So uh, kudos to them. It was a great pick because uh, I think Devin Bush is going to be a solid player on that on that defense. And uh, again, they still have an opportunity to get their safety, Mike. You got to play against Steelers quite a bit during your career, not as much as you did in the NFC, obviously. Um, you, but they've had that three four since nineteen eighty two. That's how long they've had that three four defense. Yeah. What does a linebacker like Devin Bush bring to that defense in, in particular? Well, absolutely, as you said, when you have a tradition of great linebacker play across the board, and that 3-4 has been formidable for year year in and year out, solid. So a Devin Bush is just going to be the new, you know, uh, Ryan Shazier, if you will. Uh, they need that. They need that guy in there that can do what Ryan and so many of the other great backers have done for the Steelers. Uh, in past years and so they're just a team to me and an organization that basically sticks to their formula we're going to get guys who come in hard-nosed players and we're going to as we say hit you in the mouth defensively and we're going to just see how much and how bad do you want it so Devin Bush is going to allow them to you know play a lot of different multiple that you know they love to you know cover with their backers blitz with their backers uh, do a lot of, you know, interchanging with him. So he's definitely going to be a person who's going to come in, and I'm going to say making an immediate impact. Okay, so the Redskins just moved up into the 26th spot, taking a trading up from the Colts. Don't know the exact picks on that one yet. I do want to point this out, though. We cannot forget the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns are kind of hiding here. They um, They have loaded up offensively. And if the Steelers really want to stay atop the division, they need to make a move like this to solidify that defense. And they went and did it. So they're not giving up the AFC North just yet. They're not. The, the, the Browns are going to have, on paper, one of the most stacked offenses in the league entering the season next year. But it's also important to note that the Steelers have been there year in and year out since, geez, the early 90s when they re, when they reload the first time so it's not it's not a done deal for the AFC North going the Browns just yet okay the Cincinnati Bengals take Jonah Williams offensive tackle a lot of good feedback on him at being a student of the game 
Um, the, the Bengals have needed a tackle for a while. It's actually a really good fit. They weren't going quarterback. It's actually a great fit. Mike, what are your thoughts on Jonah Williams? Yeah, I mean, you, you're talking about uh, a team that plays in inclement weather down the stretch. And, you know, they pretty have a, a, a pretty good D-line on the opposite side. And I think it's a great pick for them to shore up some things on, on the offensive side. And anytime that you can get someone that can help you offensively, especially if they're going to be at the tackle position, you know, watch quarters backside and all that good stuff. You're, you're doing well. So, you know, it's just since he, I, you know, I don't know. It's just, they're just an organization that just seems snake bitten for, for whatever reason. And so you just, you just never know, no matter how high, how low the pick is, you, you just always wonder because it's Cincinnati. Mike, come on, you're being nice. We all know why they're snake bit down in Cincinnati. That office, that frost has been cheap for years, man. Exactly. <laughs> Come on. Just, don't, don't make people read between the lines. They're snake bit because they choose to be. <laughs> yeah. Come on. I'm not going to argue with you on that one. They don't want to pay anybody to stay there. No, they don't. They've been like that for years. And so they're going to stick to their formula and they're going to continue to struggle. This is Well, this is why I argue <laughs> That Marvin Lewis is a much better coach than people realize. He kept that that organization stable for so long, had their down years, their up years, and so on and so forth. But to do what he did to keep them competitive, more often than not, when you run one of the cheapest operations in the league, says a bunch. And Zach Taylor just left the Rams to go there. I'm sorry, man. Good luck, dude. You probably should have stayed and waited for another opportunity because it's the wrong place to go. Uh, yeah, I'm being hard on Cincinnati. I'm being very hard on Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Johnny, your thoughts on Jonah Williams? Well, I, for one, am grateful for the Cincinnati Bengals because if it weren't for them being cheap asses, uh, we wouldn't have Andrew Whitworth. So thank you, Cincy. And. <laughs> You know, good luck with Jonah Williams because he is not going to be a, an Andrew Whitworth. I'm sorry. So, you know, I, I get why they picked Jonah Williams because they can certainly use help on the offensive line. So it's not a terrible pick by any stretch of the means, but I'm just not high on Jonah Williams. So there's that. You know, I, I just think he's a little bit overrated coming from, you know, benefiting from, you know, a system in Alabama. So, uh, you know, it, it wasn't a terrible pick. Like I said, he's going to at least contribute a little bit because the, they're, <laughs> they could, I mean, they, they could definitely use all the help they can get on the offensive line. And, yeah, Andy Dalton could certainly uh, try and stay healthy. So, yeah, there we go. Okay, the Redskins are having a nice draft. We, let's just be honest. They get Dwayne Hass in the 15. Now they just traded up and they got Montez Sweet. Uh, Montez Sweet. From Mississippi State, um, I I I have to be honest. I love what the Redskins are doing. This pick um, with their draft overall, it's good stuff. Uh, Sweat came down the dropped down the draft charts with a possible heart condition that now is being rumored here last minute today as being a possible misdiagnosis. So, 
There you go. Montez Sweat now goes to the Redskins. Uh, your thoughts on Jonah Williams there, Josh? Yeah, so thank you to Cincinnati for letting us have Andrew Whitworth. Uh, with that said, I think, you know, it was a good idea, good strategy to select Jonah Williams and try to try to get somebody to fill that void that was left. I don't know if Jonah Williams can fill that void because Andrew Whitworth is an extremely talented tackle. Um, however, you know, you, you gotta try, right? So I like the pick. I think that, you know, they've definitely got to get, give Dalton some protection and, and hopefully, you know, for them, that leads to being a little less snake bitten. <laughs> okay. Just a heads up here. We're storming here in Ohio. So if things go really, really bad, uh, Josh and Johnny will be taking over the show for a bit. So there, there's a heads up for that. Um, Number 12, Rashawn Gary. He actually fell out of our mock draft first round. Like, completely. He's still... It surprised me, but every time we, we, we made a pick for somebody, we went for the best fit. The problem with Rashawn Gary is, even though he has all the physical tools, he didn't seem to fit real well with what any team was doing. Well, the Packers took him at 12. And... This is an, a, a very interesting pick to see what they can do with a guy who has every single tool. He checks every physical box. But yet, when it comes down to the game itself, always seems to fall short. Josh, what were your thoughts on Rashawn Gary and, and uh, what he can do for a team right now? I'm honestly not a fan of Rashawn Gary whatsoever. Uh, I think that he's a guy with a lot of physical talent and ability and never really put it together. Uh, physical freak, obviously, but just I, I'm not a fan of guys who have that kind of ability and never quite put it together because for me, there's got to be something there. I, I don't know exactly what it is, but yeah, not not a fan. I think that there were a lot better picks out there, in my opinion. I know uh, Gary's a guy who I think people are either really hot or really cold on. So, Well, who would you have taken instead of him? For the Packers, uh, I'm trying to think back at who was back on the board. Uh, I mean, honestly, I would have gone edge rusher. Uh, I probably would have gone Brian Burns. Johnny, what are your thoughts on the pick? Did we lose Johnny? He's muted. I think. Oh yeah, I was. I busted a Michael. <laughs> I started talking without. Uh, you know, unmuting myself. So my apologies there. It's, get, it's but, getting late. My gosh, we're all getting sleepy. It, seriously. But uh, just to kind of uh, touch up on what you guys have already said. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of Gary. I, I don't think he I think he just really benefited a lot from a lot of hype, particularly having his measurables at the combine. You know, I, I think that's really what uplifted him. I just don't see him as being that guy based on his production in Michigan really isn't all that impressive, to be honest, uh, if you go off his off of what he did at Michigan. But, you know, I, I guess I can understand why the Packers wanted to go that route. I mean, they definitely need needed uh, to replace Clay Matthews. Not that he was much of a, in, in production as in his you know aging career but 
you know, for sure they could have used as much help as they could possibly get. Okay, Jonathan Abram, safety Mississippi State, goes to the Oakland Raiders with the 27th overall pick. We are just four picks away from the Rams finally picking. We can all go to bed. Uh, my thoughts on Gary are this. I think he had to go to the right team with the right leadership crew. And honestly, that the that team that would have made the most sense for him would have been the Rams. Um, and even then, he's more of a 4-3 guy. So I, I hope he proves me wrong, but he does. He's one of those guys I think is, is a prime candidate to be a bust, unfortunately. When Chase Winovich is a guy who's on the other side of your lineup performing you, that's when you have all the physical tools. That that says a lot about what you are as a football player, not an athlete. You you can be the world's best athlete and not be the world's best football player. Sometimes the numbers are just numbers, and you know again because we don't wish any ill will on anybody. I don't, I'm not I'm not criticizing Rashawn Gary because he went to Michigan or anything. You just I hope that he proves those points wrong. Just not when he's playing the Rams. Okay. The Miami Dolphins take Christian Wilkins uh, at pick 13. This is about where we thought the Dolphins would take him. I mean, any team would take him, around 13, 14, right in that area. Many of us hoped that he would fall further than that, and some walks did happen going down. Big guy, one of the big three uh, linemen at Clemson. He is considered, quote-unquote, to be a high-character guy. That was written in by Yahoo Sports commentary team today. Um, he'll make Miami better, but Miami also had other needs. So I'm trying to get a grasp on what Miami's doing when they really don't have anybody offensively right now and they're not reloading their defense. I'm going to start with you, Johnny, on this. Your thoughts on Christian Wilkins and what the heck is Miami doing? Yeah, it's actually kind of funny because it's still the usual suspects on, you know, what the hell are they kind of doing in this kind of year's draft? It, you know, it's the Raiders, Giants, and the, uh, well, not so much the Giants, Raiders and, and the Dolphins, always a head-scratcher for me, and no different. And not that, not that it was a bad pick, but... Again, there was there was so many other things they could have done. Certainly, could use all the help they can get on offense, in particular. But yeah, they went a completely different route than I was expecting. What are your thoughts, Josh? Yeah, I, sorry, <laughs> I got a little lost. Where are we at? Christian Wilkins, pick thirteen. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry, um, got a little sidetracked there for a second. I, I love the pick. I absolutely love the pick. Uh, really high on Christian Wilkins, one of my favorite players in the draft. I don't have much to say. Very disruptive player. I think that he was the best player on Clemson's defense. Yeah. <laughs> Miami Miami made a smart pick. Well, um, for me, I, I, I think it's a good move for them if they have – a little bit of help on offense. They, they, they need so much help there on offense. I, I don't know what to say about more than I, – I just want to know what they're doing, I guess. We'll talk to Sam Marco from the Perfectville podcast next week as we begin our, our tour in the league, and we'll get an idea from him maybe. He could tell us. But, you know, I, I do wonder. 
The Atlanta Falcons take Chris Lindstrom, offensive guard from Boston College. And, uh, well, you know, it's a little early, but the Falcons need offensive line help. Your thoughts there, Johnny? It it was a little early, but to tell you the truth, it was – it was definitely something they could use. Lindstrom was certainly one of the better guards, if not the best guard in, in this year's draft. So I, I don't blame them for, for going for him. They, they need to protect Matt Ryan. That has been a concern for them for a while now. So they, they finally get their guy. And it, it's an investment, really. Not a sexy pick, but uh, one that's a quality one, in my opinion. Josh? Uh, yeah, so I really like Chris Lindstrom. I uh, think he's a really talented interior offensive lineman. Again, like everybody said already, a little bit early for me. However, I liken it to remember when the Cowboys selected Travis Frederick and everybody was kind of like, what? What? He shouldn't be there. Ended up working out perfectly. So I, I definitely think that, you know, Chris Lindstrom's a guy who can solidify that offensive line. So I, I can't ever get mad at a team for, for making sure their offensive line is on point. But what does he actually bring to that offensive line that will help them move to the next step in their progression as an offense? Uh, I think that he's a very consistent guy. I think that he's kind of a bring your lunch pail to work kind of guy. I think that he'll provide some grittiness on that offensive line, which I think that they were lacking a little bit of. I, I mean, yeah, he's he's going to provide protection for Matt Ryan, open up running lanes for the running backs, and, you know, allow Matt Ryan some time to, you know, get the, get the ball downfield to Julio Jones. Johnny, why, why was, well, why would the Falcons take him over a defensive guy at this point? Well, I, I, I mean, you could have gone either way. I think it's just because it's such a, a huge defensive class that they just wanted to make sure to get the their offensive line guy because really after the first round, it's basically a shot in the dark with the offensive line unless you're going after like a center. But, um, yeah, as far as going defense, they could have, and it would have made sense also. But, again, I think in the later rounds you can still find, you know, some talented guys there. Um, But it's so much more limited with the offensive line. Okay, so next pick in the draft here at – well, you guys know I'm going to want to talk about this. Dwayne Haskins goes to Washington Redskins. It's a really good fit. Um, it's going to take time. The Redskins have to be willing to put him on the bench and let him stay there for a year. He will develop and he will be a, a solid, a very good starting quarterback in this league. He is smart, very intelligent, two-time All-Academic all Big Ten. Uh, Chargers take defensive tackle Jerry Tillery. Notre Dame. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think many of us saw that one coming. Chargers are going to take Jerry Tillery, Notre Dame. I like the fact that he'll sit behind Case Keenum, again, the guy who works hard. He will be 
he will be better. I'm going to tell you right now, he will be better than Daniel Jones in this league. Okay, and he might be better than Kyler Murray in this league. Okay, I know Kyler Murray has all the stuff coming behind him. I don't necessarily believe in Kyler Murray like other people do. Okay, I do believe in Dwayne Haskins. I watched every snap. I saw him play every game. I saw all the all of his flaws. I saw all the strengths in the right place with the right support. Dwayne Haskins will become a Pro Bowl quarterback. And so for the Giants, to me, to pass on him, for the, for the Dolphins to pass on him, okay, I get their concerns with him because he's, they, they need help now, right? He's not a guy who can step in right now. He only started for one year at Ohio State. But Haskins will be a Pro Bowl quarterback if you develop him right. He will not be a bust. I saw someone uh, compare him to Jamarcus Russell. Jamarcus Russell didn't have the work ethic, didn't have the brain for the game, Okay, like Dwayne Haskins does. I'm telling you right now, Haskins will be a prof- will be a Pro Bowl quarterback if given the right coaching, the right support in Washington. And unfortunately, that's something the Redskins have failed to do for years. Um, but I'm a big believer in Dwayne Haskins. I saw him firsthand being an Ohio State guy. Uh, Josh, what are your thoughts on Dwayne Haskins? Yeah, well, I know you're an Ohio State fan, so I, I know you're excited that... that I, I'm not just to, a fan, man. I went there, dude. I mean, I know. Come you on. know what I mean, though. Uh, I really fan. like the pick. I think that it's awesome that the Redskins were able to sit sit pat and, and get their guy. You know, they didn't panic. They didn't throw a bunch of picks and trade up and take him too early. They sat and they got their guy. And, you know, I, I think they've got a lot of confidence in him because... You know, they took him with their first pick of the draft. And, you know, I never really like it when teams take somebody else and then trade back up into the first round because I feel like you're kind of saying you're a little bit hesitant to consider the guy a franchise quarterback. Uh, So, yeah, I I like the pick. I think that you hit the nail on the head. I think if he's allowed to sit and develop a little bit, I think that he could be really good in this league. And he's definitely not Jamarcus Russell whatsoever. I, I blew my mind when I saw somebody on Twitter compare those two. And they're not yeah. even the same. My event is yeah. the same. I'm, I, I, need, I need you to share that tweet with me so I can try to reach through my phone and smack them. It. Yeah, I, I have to find it. It's been, a, it's been at least a month since I did that one. Um, Johnny, your thoughts on Haskins? Well, while I don't compare the guy to uh, Jamarcus Russell – uh, I am going to say I'm not very high on the guy just because I just I don't see him being, you know, a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. I think he has the potential of being a decent quarterback if, when all said and done. If, like Derek said, if he's in the right system, if he's given a little extra time, if there is patience working with him, I think that he could be an okay, decent quarterback as a starter. But um, I'm not really sold on the guy. Why? That, why? Be- why? Because, why? well, for one thing, like you mentioned, he was only <laughs> one year starter. On- I know. He, he's really, he's really <laughs> going to show a lot of passion on this one. He was only a one-year starter at Ohio State. He had a really good beneficial you know, team around him. He really didn't thrive in you know a low-case scenario situation. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned – I don't see a whole lot of potential there. And like I said, I'm not I'm not dogging the guy. I think he can he has the potential of being a decent quarterback, but I don't know if I would go up to pro bowl status just because 
I'm just not really high on any of these quarterbacks, really. But um, in regards to uh, the Redskins, here's where it here's where it kind of makes sense. So the Redskins are are kind of in a situation now where they have um, Alex Smith out for for an injury. They have a veteran quarterback, um, so that they have a guy that can basically work as a coach with Haskins, along with hopefully being able to coach him up. But uh, that's still up for a debate because we already know what kind of team Washington is. Not really good at you know coaching up players per se, but um, you know in in essence, I do think it was a, the best move for Washington here, just because. You know, this this is uh, something for a guy to, like Haskins to come in and compete. So we'll see. Uh, maybe he'll prove me wrong, and uh, you know, Derek will have a big old laugh at me. But uh, you know, I I'm just gonna stick to my guns on this one. I just don't think he's gonna be as good as Derek thinks he could be. Okay, so you have a quarterback who stepped into the same offense that JT Barrett. Struggled to run a year before. Okay. Matter of fact, going back a year, having sat in the bench for pretty much the entire year, a little bit of mop up duty here and there, goes in the mission game. The team is down. JT Barrett gets hurt. He brings the team back. They win the game. Okay. This is a team that, that offensively wasn't doing jack. Comes in this last season, is a starter in the same system that Barrett struggled in last year. And in, starting in 20. In 2017. Throws a good deep ball. Throws a very pretty deep ball. Makes all the short throws. Can make any throw you ask of him. Okay. Very intelligent. Reads defense as well. Okay. His one problem is he is not going to run much. He's not going to be the kind of guy who can evade a whole lot of pressure. You have to block for him. But you're telling me that guy who can make every throw can jump into any situation, and he did, and make something of it. You're going to tell me that he doesn't have the potential to be, you don't see that guy as being a, a possible Pro Bowl quarterback one day? Well, I mean, I don't want to... throw, Johnny. I don't want to make comparisons or anything, but so if, could we're gonna go, <laughs> if we're going to go... If we're going to make that comparison, Jamarcus Russell can throw on his knees. Yeah, there you have. Jamarcus Russell didn't have the brain Dwayne Haskins has. But you made You're talking that about argument. a two-time all-academic Big Ten player right here. You, you, yeah, and Jamarcus Russell's had a few accolades himself, didn't he? Yeah, yeah the accolades were getting fat. <laughs> <laughs> but you see, this is what I'm getting at here. You're 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 telling basically the same thing. That Jamarcus Russell's argument was he can make any throw on the field. He had a couple of accolades. You, you see where we're but, going here. But no, 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 no. I'm so not. You, but, I, I think what, no, I think no, what you, Derek's I arguing is that he's got the mental aspect of it, whereas Jamarcus Russell didn't. Well, he has a work ethic aspect too. Okay, this is a guy who went to Ohio State and was challenged by Jim Trussell to come in there and become a quarterback there. And he said, "I will come in. I'll play. I'll be a quarterback." He's saying that on video when he's like 11 years old. Okay, this is a guy who. Is going now. The, he's at, he grew up in Potomac, Maryland. He's going back to his home area. So, to me, there's a, he's a motivated guy. Jamarcus Russell was never motivated. He never had a work ethic for anything. Haskins has a work ethic. 
he competes. And that's why I think he has every chance to be those things. Maybe. We'll see. Um, getting closer and closer. I'm going to put the pace here. Brian Burns, we he dropped a lot in our draft. He dropped a little bit in this one. Carolina Panthers get him at 16. Um, solid pick. Really good. Um, the Carolina may have themselves a, a gem here. Um, New York Giants, we've talked about this a little earlier. Dexter, Dexter Lawrence goes um, to them at 17. Six foot four, 342. I got to tell you that they probably could trade it back to get him in a few picks. That's all I'm going to say about that. They could trade it back to get Daniel Jones. I don't know what the Giants are doing. They're a train wreck. The Vikings get Garrett Bradbury, sorry, Bradbury, uh, center. Solid pick from NC State. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons, one of our favorites, goes to the Titans at pick 19. We were hoping he could possibly fall down to us, but they went and got him. Um, picking up here, the Denver Broncos take Noah Fant at 20. Their pick from the Steelers. Also to Iowa. Better pass catcher than blocker. Uh, but I, I, I kind of feel like you were picking, you guys are picking on Hawkinson a little bit, being taken by, at 8. I I question the Broncos' decision to take a tight end here when they really need a quarterback long-term to develop. And Drew Locke sitting there. They need receiver help. And I, I guess Fant would kind of fit in there. They need help pretty much everywhere on offense. But the guy to go to is a more one-dimensional tight end compared to Hawkinson. Fill me in. Well, what are your thoughts here? I'm gonna, I'll, I'll start with, uh, with Johnny first. Well, as far as uh, Hawkinson and, and Fan is concerned, you know, I, I do like both players. Uh, I do think Hawkinson is the better player. And trust me, I think that the Broncos wished Hawkinson was there at pick 20. But um, ultimately, they settled with Fan. Was it a bit of a reach? Kind of. But at the same time, I kind of don't blame him for wanting to go tight end rather than quarterback because while Drew Locke, I do think has, I guess, some potential. I don't know if I'd want to pick him at 20 either. You know, I, I, I would maybe look at, you know, some of the second round picks, you know, because at this point I, I think Locke is, isn't so much of a lock after all. But as far as uh, <laughs> I had to throw that in there. But as far as Fant goes, I mean, I, I would rather have Noah Fant than uh, you know Marquise Brown or DK Metcalf as far as receiver goes. So in this case, I do think it's a little bit better of a pick than the Lions pick earlier. But um, there just wasn't much available, honestly, for the Broncos. So. Either way, I, I think they were kind of limited. So Fant makes sense to me. Yeah, I uh, I, I think Fant was you know maybe a little bit of a reach, but I I, I like his fit for them though. And kind of like Johnny already said, you know, I think had Hawkinson been there, like he would have been the slam dunk pick, and they they would have ran that card up to the podium as soon as possible. Uh, with that said, I think Fant brings a little bit more speed to the tight end position than Hawkinson and uh, is kind of the more like utilize him as a receiver guy, as opposed to blocker. And 
I, I get what you're saying about Locke, but you know, if the team feels like they can get Locke later, like it's it's all about projection. So if if they're thinking like, hey, we we can still get the guy we like later and get a guy who probably won't be there at the earlier pick, you know, and if you feel confident that you can make that happen for yourself, then by all means, like that's a great move. With that said, whether they get Locke or not, right now you've got Joe Flacco, and you know, strong armed quarterback, and Fant can can stretch the seam. And so I I think that's a good pick. I I think that helps out the quarterback. Uh, If they do draft Drew Locke with a pick at some point, I think that that helps him out in the long run. Um, So honestly, I really like the pick for them. All right. So we're getting close and we're just waiting now forever and ever for the Seahawks picks to come in. I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, of course, we're also probably expecting the Rams to maybe move back. We're still waiting on that. Um, before we get into the, this final stretch here, we do also want to just kind of put out to you that we are expanding a little bit, just basically to keep us busy this summer, to be honest with you. And, you know, we have a passion here for baseball on our staff as well. So we have a Angels podcast coming out this weekend. We'll start our first one. We'll record on Sunday night called Talking Halos. Look for that on Twitter, at Talking Halos. We're also on Facebook with them. And the the, the majority of our staff, though, um, present company being Josh excluded, he, uh, he you're a Cardinals fan, right? Yeah, Cardinals. Okay. So uh, the most of the fans, the, the, uh, sorry, the staff is, they are Dodgers fans. So in the Bleeding Blue podcast will begin here very soon. They've been doing their practice runs. We're getting a logo put together for them. And so be looking on, on the lookout for those things. I We're not looking to expand much more than that, guys. We're just trying to talk some sports and, and really reach out to you. And if you like the Angels baseball, if you like Dodgers baseball, um, come look at us. We may be doing a sports show at some point, just us talking sports. We we are a passionate organization for for football, for baseball, for Lakers basketball, and other basketball teams as well. I know Steve's a Sixers fan. So, you know, stick with us, and hopefully we can keep putting out some good content for you. Okay, moving on in the draft, Andre Diller goes to the Eagles at 22. Uh, that's about the area we, we expected him to go. Um, Titus Howard is a prize offensive tackle going to Houston Texans at 23. Josh Diggs running back. He fills a need for the Raiders. That actually, that actually makes some sense. We can agree on that one, right, guys? Um, Marquise yeah. Brown, that is pretty much where we thought he would go, right around the Ravens. Um, Lamar Jackson gets some help there. He replaced John Brown, um, among other other people. Uh, Seattle takes LJ Collier wow. from TCU. Uh, That's a surprise. The surprise, wow. surprise for me. I didn't didn't see him going there. Um, Montez Sweat at the 26th pick. That's where the Reds can trade up for him. We've already talked about that. He he is a a, a risk um, with his possible heart condition. However, however, uh, Montez Sweat, if he's healthy, will be. And the Giants have just traded back into the first round. Seahawks traded pack. Um, so there you go. Let's see what the Giants do. Giants move up what uh, seven, eight picks for this? Something yeah. like that. I think so. Um, yeah. So Jonathan Abram, safety. This is actually another good pick by the Raiders. 
another good pick for them. Um, Mississippi State. So that's two good picks in the first. I'm not sure what the heck happened up there at uh, the first pick of the their first of the draft. Jerry Chillery for the Chargers. Another really good pick. It will be interesting to see how he goes. As a matter of fact, we know we know we have some thoughts on Jerry Tillery. I'll start with you, Josh. Uh, you wanted him to be a Ram, didn't you? If possible, I, I would have loved Jerry Tillery as a Ram. Uh, I, I really think that he would have been a great fit for our defense. Uh, I'm happy that he was able to go in the first round, being a Notre Dame fan and, and seeing him play quite a bit. Um, don't like that he went to the, the Renters. <laughs> uh, Giants, but yeah, DeAndre Baker, cornerback. There you go. Good pick. So, real quick, go ahead and give us your thoughts, John. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we need to get to the Rams pick. Johnny, you there? Oh, what's up? Your thoughts on Tillery? Ah, Tillery. Yes, uh, and the Rams was- trade the pick. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, fine. <laughs> go ahead and go. Uh, Tillery is a solid pick for them. Um, I wanted him, uh, but let's move on. Move, uh, move on to the trade. All right, so let's see if we can find the numbers here. What the heck? Man alive. Jeez, how's that for Rams trade the pick? Let me see if I can find us the our um, our numbers here, who, what they are. Be really nice to know what the Rams uh, got for this. I mean, I think it makes sense the Rams trade back here. There wasn't really we 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 wanted them to do this, right? We this is what we wanted them to do. Well, considering who was available, it, it makes sense for them to uh, trade back here. I mean. It, I, I personally would have wanted to get Greedy Williams at this point, but hey, if you can get more prospects out of this, why not? Uh, you know, trading back is, isn't going to be a bad thing, and just depending on the overall trade package, uh, it could it could work out in the Rams' favor. Well, you know, I don't know if you guys saw the story, but Vinny Bonsignore over at the Athletic wrote this article the other day about how intricate the Rams sky department has become when it comes to the draft has become like a full-time one of the best operations in the league and you know i gotta say that i i have faith that this is going to work i really do i they know what they're doing there and scouting wise i wish they could have made a, a deal a little I, I gotta assume they moved back in the second round right they didn't go back further than that Oh, for sure, second round. Yeah, I'd be shocked if they didn't get a second rounder out of this. So, but on on social media, people are ticked off. They they could have had Taylor. They're saying there's so many quality play, and there are quality players there. Um, yeah, the, the the thing about the Rams, and I think a lot of teams do this, but the Rams have been really known for they will identify six to eight players that they feel like are all of equal value at positions of need at their pick. And from there, if if there's those guys all still there on the board, they'll try to trade back. And knowing that they're still going to get a guy that they really like, that fits a need, and get more picks to continue to build that roster. And hey, we've got a lot of high-priced free agents, a lot of contracts that'll be coming up. And, uh, you know, 
having having lots of picks to get guys on cheap contracts is really good. I'm seeing the compensation come across now. Rams get second round pick 45th overall and a third round pick 79th overall. And I was saying all along that I wouldn't trade down unless we could get a third round pick out of it added. So I'm happy with this. Uh, well, I mean, Sosa K from Turf Show has a list up, and he's the guys I'd stay put for at 31 Byron Murphy, um, Eric McCoy, Greedy Williams, Jawan Taylor, Nasir Adderley, Dalton Risner. They're all still there. So we'll see who's still there come pick 44 tomorrow. Is it 44? 45. 45. So tomorrow early. All right, so with all that in mind, guys, I guess we'll be back tomorrow. Josh, can you work? Can you can you make it tomorrow on a Friday? No, I'll have to work, so I'll miss. And Johnny, you as well? Is it going to be me? Yeah, I think. Well, you know, as tempting as it is just, just for you, Derek, um, unfortunately, I, I'm going to be uh, working oh, tomorrow, so I won't be able to make it. I may be. So, folks, you may have to deal with me alone tomorrow night. This could be horrible. Just horrible. Good luck, guys. So, well, folks, with all that, the Patriots are on the clock. The um, I, I got to say that it does not surprise me at all the Rams traded back. As a matter of fact, it should be pretty obvious that uh, a pretty good odds they were going to do this if the, if the right player wasn't there. It does surprise me that Greedy Williams sitting there, Byron Murphy sitting there. Jawan Taylor, Dalton Risner, like just like Sosa mentioned, that they didn't take a guy, but like Josh said, they they have they have options. They have options. So, so you did see what the the trade was for, right? Yeah, he mentioned it. Oh, okay. So second and third, um, I, I I I like the trade. I, I trust them. Let's just say that they've earned. They've earned some leeway here because they make it work every year. They've been making it work every year. I mean, are you guys are you guys comfortable with the trade? I'm super comfortable. The Rams have done a really good job with those those third rounders. So, I mean, well, third and, 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 and like I said, I still think that there's gonna I still think there's gonna be a guy that they feel was a first round level prospect at a position of need, and they're gonna snatch him up and get extra picks and get even more guys that they like too. So it also looks like the Rams kind of had this worked out because as soon as the, uh, the trade was announced for the Falcons, um, not for the Falcons, the, um, yeah, the Falcons. Yeah. But no, sorry, before the Seattle trade before that. Oh yeah. yeah. The for trade the, for the Rams the Giants. popped. Yeah. Popped right up. So, yeah. you know, it was pretty clear at that point that, um, these two have been talking a little bit. It wasn't when it popped up so easily. I again, I, I kind of wish the Rams would have. Um, I wish the Rams would have gotten something a little closer. But we talked about it on the podcast, and, and we noted that sometimes you don't have a partner. Sometimes you don't have someone to trade with. And uh, I'll take the forty-five. This, I mean, also just a note here: the Rams get back a little bit of cap space too, by the way, because they're not going to paying the thirty-one. They'll be paying for a forty-five. Yep. They they will lose that that uh, fifth year option, so that's that's something to consider as well. But this is true, this is true. But at forty five, I mean, that'd be someone you're going to develop anyways. They may or may not develop a star. Um, well, 
the Rams trading away at 203, getting back at 79, you have that salary cap slot. So it, it's all in a numbers game. Johnny, any final thoughts in the evening? Uh, I'd like to say I was surprised, but uh, I'm really not. But in a way, <laughs> in a way, I'm, I am glad to see this happen just because I, I feel like they've got a ton of value here. And that's ultimately what you want. It's not like they uh, traded out of the first round from like the top 10 pick or anything. So, you know, completely love the move and looking forward to tomorrow. Can't wait. All right. How, so, do, you, how do you guys feel about the McGarry pick? It was brilliant. Really? I don't really like the Falcons. Yeah, I don't really like him. Uh, You know, go on. I would have preferred. I would have preferred Dalton Reisner there. Yeah, I will say that. I I will say uh, that Reisner was the better prospect, but at the same time, you know they they're literally solidifying their offensive line here and getting uh, protecting Matt Ryan. So um, it, it makes sense to me. It's not like McGrary isn't isn't a talented prospect, but um, I will agree with you that I would have chosen uh, Reisner over McGrary. Well, but here's the thing too: we don't want to forget this is that Reisner, we all like him. We interviewed him. We thought he was a great guy. He's uh, to me uh, on film a good prospect, but not every scout agrees on Reisner. For some people, they had him going. Mid first round, some people had him going as low second, third, and I, I think I saw even one that had going possibly even in the fourth round. So I just don't see a consensus on uh, on Reisner. Whereas, so I mean, I guess it doesn't, doesn't shock me. Same. Here's the question I don't really have for you guys: What the heck happened with Jawan Taylor? He didn't get taken That's, either. Yeah. No idea. We'll see who the Patriots pick. And, and you no, know, by the way, the Rams have the Rams have um, three third round picks now tomorrow. Okay, yes, they do. And I wouldn't be surprised if they use those picks to move up into if there's a guy they want in the second round. Yeah, I was just talking to somebody about that actually. What just on, on social media? Just kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like on Twitter and stuff. Oh come yeah. on, man! We Les, we want your Les attention Le, here. What the crap? Les, hey, I'm I'm a multitasker. <laughs> Les Les need loves to wheel and deal. So I mean, it definitely wouldn't surprise me to pick somebody at 45. You know, pick somebody with a third round pick, and then use some picks to trade back up into the second round. You know, I think that's a definite possibility. I mean, well, it wouldn't even surprise me to see a package. You know, a, th- a three and a four move up in the second. And we keep that pick of forty-five. I, I wouldn't be surprised at anything the Rams do tomorrow. We're going to finish up the first round here, and then we'll go ahead and call tonight. The Patriots um, see who they take. Nikhil Harry, wide receiver, Arizona State. So uh, DK Metcalf doesn't make it. Doesn't get picked in the first round either, guys. And uh, he was the physical. Uh, the physical, uh, shall I say, giant of the wide receivers. I guess, again, this goes back to the idea that sometimes the numbers don't equate equate to a football player. Metcalf will now be available in the second round. And um, so there are a couple of big surprises of people who dropped. 
So Nikhil Harry is going to be a, a uh, Patriot. And by the way, the Patriots needed a receiver. So um, good pick. Good pick. All right. Folks, don't follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can find me on Twitter, DC Paul, Michael Stewart at 1223. You can find Josh Kolak at RN underscore Kylo and Johnny Gomez, Magic Johnny, at Johnny5Not6 on Twitter as well. Don't forget us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, all those places. For the entire Rams Talk team, we'll see you tomorrow night. Maybe I'll have some company. Maybe I won't. We'll find out. But take care, and we'll see you soon. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.